Hey, podcast family. Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And welcome to our first full episode of 2021. Tara, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I am doing okay. This has been a, a wild start to 2021. It certainly has. 2021 is feeling very 2020-ish. It is. I feel like we should just call this a a small extension. Maybe we just extended an extra seven days into the new year. Yeah, I saw on social media, one of my friends posted that today doesn't feel like January 7th. It feels like December 37th. Of 2020. Of 2020. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's that's hopeful, too, because I don't want to claim this energy for the whole year. I just want this energy to be wrapped up for the first week and be dead. Let's walk away. Yeah. And, (laughs) And the energy that has been around us this first week of the new year has been somewhat chaotic. And as mothers, it's been another situation where we question how we talk to our kids about some of the chaos that's going on in our communities and what they're seeing in the world, right? Right, right, exactly right. And for those listeners who may want to understand or, or, or want some guidance from a professional about how mm-hmm. to talk to kids about what's going on in our country here in the United States, we actually had a conversation with a child counselor back in October of last year, right, Tara? That's right. We talked to Jenny Gomez. It was our 13th episode from October 18th. You know, we got on to kind of talk about just in general talking to our kids about hard stuff. And we talked about the funny stuff, the puberty stuff. But we also got into a pretty great conversation about talking to our kids about politics and what was going on with the election at the time and and uh, the chaos at that time. And it's it's a great lesson. It's very relevant to, you know, the continuing chaos we're seeing out in the world right now. Um, I've gone back to it a few times in my notes and just reminded myself to take it easy and, and how to approach it in an age appropriate way. In the last election, there was a lot of talk about it in my kids' schools. And I had a fifth grader who was horribly anxious and devastated because she thought that my husband's Hispanic, born in Dallas, Texas, but yeah. <laughs> he's Hispanic, that he was going to get deported and sent over to the other side of a wall, right? Mm-hmm. Because the kids at school had told her that. Yes. And she was horribly anxious and scared. And we had to do a lot of damage control on that, obviously. But I had a kid in tears and really, really worried because of things that 11-year-olds had said. Right. right. And yeah. so I tend to be protective of right? Number one of my whole world, what's my biggest job is being mama bear and protecting my kids. And so I want them to speak their truth, but I want them, one of the things we talk about is, you know, I'm not going to convince somebody else politically that they're wrong or that I'm right. So I tend to only really talk about my political beliefs when I know I'm in like-minded company, because I don't really want to get into an argument that's not going to end well and hurt a relationship probably. All that to be said, that to me, that's different than if I see somebody being hurt and somebody's being ugly and bullying or wrong or bad, like I do teach them to step up to that, right? you right. know, and you need to call that out and, and protect others. But we've had to kind of coach our kids on if somebody directly is asking you, and my experience is that adolescents are asking to kind of provoke and instigate. Right. When they, when they ask those questions and we've role played ways to kind of nod and smile and be like, oh, that's, you know, I'm not voting this year. So my mom and dad are in charge of that. And we've had to kind of role play that because we've had conversations go very poorly in the past. And so I get that. But I do want them to learn when is it important to stand up? This parenting job. This is hard. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> 
Yeah. And we have to continue to remind ourselves that we as mothers and, and parents and adults, we are the biggest influencers in kids' lives and our children's mm-hmm. lives. It's not the folks that they see and hear on TikTok and, and on Instagram. We're their influencers. And so if we want to be influencers and beacons of light and of hope, and we are struggling with things to say and how to address it, I think that this platform and some of the episodes that we've had really, really touch on some of the issues that have made 2020 challenging and 2021 apparently as well, too. Well, and it's just a a reminder that it's a continued conversation, you know, regardless of whether or not the news is off the charts, there's always hard conversations to be had with our kids. And and I think you and I tried really hard uh, last year as we were starting this this podcast to um, approach those subjects and give parents resources. And just a reminder to all of our listeners, those episodes are available to you anytime on all listening platforms. You can go back and re-listen and pick those notes up again. And you can also make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. We, we love sharing with you guys and we hope you enjoy the content. Show me the money! And today's conversation is a hard topic, right? We're going to talk a little bit about financial wellness and financial literacy with our families and with our kids, because Mm -hmm. we shared a little bit earlier about how we're the biggest influence in our kids' lives, right? And so how our kids see us dealing with finances and financial situations may influence how they grow up. And I know that certainly was true with me. Yeah. (laughs) What about me? Yeah. Yeah. Same for me. I mean, I feel like... And, and you can tell me this may not be true for your family, but I know for my family, it seemed like when we were kids, the financial conversations were sort of like the grown up conversations and they sort of tried to shield us from it in some way. And we just kind of watched what was happening. But I, I really think it's important to have deliberate, intentional conversations with your kids about money and, and finances. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have those conversations like you, Tara. I didn't have them with my mom. I didn't know how much money she made. I didn't know how much our rent cost. I didn't know anything about mortgages or even credit cards. So when I went to college at 17 years old, and there was this really nice table, and they were giving out these pretty plastic cards. And in oh addition my to gosh. Give, you know, great t shirts. It's like, <laughs> that's right. Water bottles. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yeah, tell me how to do that. Right. And then mm-hmm. I would put this card down, and things were paid for. And of course, mm-hmm. the, unfortunately, the bill went to my mom's house because I was still underage. But I remember specifically having a $600 credit limit. And I remember one day, freshman year of college, taking all of my friends to the Cheesecake Factory and just put, big ballin'. Yes. Like, yeah. Putting I down my this. putting down my credit card. <laughs> and some of the people that were there gave me cash. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about accumulated interest or APRs. I just knew that mm-hmm. I had this really magic, pretty shiny thing, and I would be able to present it and things would be in my pocket. Like here's the right. receipt. And so understanding that I did not have a basis of financial wellness or literacy going into adulthood, Mm. it kind of put me behind the eight ball, right? I shared with you and I'll share with our listeners that I made really, really bad and really poor financial decisions. I took student loan money and I used it to go on vacations and I entered adulthood in a lot of debt. And I spent my 20s in debt. And that's not something that I want for my son, you know? No, I agree with you. I, um, you and I, you know, I shared the same with you. I walked out of 
you know, my house and started college and same as you. I think I signed up for three credit cards like right off the gate and I was 18. So those were mine. You got three shirts? Three shirts. I think it was a shirt, a water bottle, and maybe a keychain. Like I tried to shake it up. I tried to pick different things. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so yes, I started my twenties. Just right, I purchased a car, a truck when I was eighteen or nineteen. I mean, I just rolled right into before I even turned twenty. I had a mountain of debt right out of the gate, and um, it took a long time for me to clear that up. And it took a long time for me to understand how it worked. I mean, I I am amazed when I think back on that first car deal I made of just how bad a deal it was. Yeah. <laughs> like now when I go and I'm purchasing cars or even, you know, when we bought the house or things like that, I am I just look back at, you know, 19-year-old Tara and I'm like, "God bless you, honey. Like you just didn't know what you were doing at all." And I and I don't want that for Gage. I for sure want him to feel confident when he leaves this house that he understands what he's getting himself into. And it's something that we have to be intentional about. We have to be intentional Mm -hmm. about talking to our kids about finances and financial literacy. It's not something that's spoken about in in school. It's not a course that they take. It's something that we should teach them in their households. And so today, let's talk some specifics that we can share with our kids and some things that you and I do. And maybe Mm -hmm. some of the things that we do, members of our family and our listeners can take away from that what what they will. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about allowance. Do you give Gage an allowance? Um, Gage doesn't get a regular allowance. We do it a little different. So he, we have two sets of responsibilities, right? So you've got your family social responsibilities that are your job and that you don't get paid for. So examples would be keeping your space clean, your laundry, your bathroom clean, picking up after yourself. You know, uh, the way Jason and I talk about it is we do that. The stuff that I do at the house, I don't get paid for. That's what I do because I want to be a responsible member of the family. And so for Gage, that's not on the list. But we do kind of teach him that school is sort of his job outside of the house. So we reward him for good grades and good work. And um, and then we reward him for special projects. If he helps with things about the house that aren't typically his responsibility or bigger than his responsibility, we reward him for that. So he doesn't get regular money deposited or handed over, but we do pay him pretty regularly for oddball stuff and for grades. And do you give him the money? Like, do you give him cash every week or how does that work for you and your family? No, we kind of manage it like... Jason and I kind of know like, okay, you've got about 20 bucks. And we just we whenever we're out and about if he wants to spend some and you know, he wants to spend it on Fortnite sometimes we're like, okay, that's five or 20 or whatever. So we'll we'll do that kind of thing. But we haven't. We're probably getting to the point where we need to talk about handing him a card or handing him his own cash. But I just can't. I haven't been able to really trust him like that yet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when Roman was 10, we actually did give him a debit card. There Mm -hmm. is an app for kids called Greenlight. And with the Greenlight app, what they do is parents are able to transfer money onto a kid's debit card. And it is a physical debit card. And they can also use it virtually and they can use it for online purchases. And so what we do is the money that Roman gets for his birthday and for holidays, and he does get money for getting good grades from his grandmother. All of that money goes on to this debit card. 
the good thing about this debit card is that it is um, broken up into categories. So you can have spend, you can have save, and you can have give. And so he doesn't have access to all of the money that's on the account because like Gage, Roman would spend it all. And, right. and he has. But it's good <laughs> because it teaches him when we, there have been times when we've gone to to Target to buy things and Roman has picked up a toy and he knows he has $20 in his account and he'll pick up a $19.99 toy. And when he goes to the cash <laughs> register, the purchase will be declined. He's like, mommy, right. why is it declined? And I was like, buddy, you forgot about tax. That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, and so that's a good tool to teach him. And again, that was not something that I knew of. Right. But I also like the um, philosophy that we try to remind him that it's not about spending everything you have, right? Um, right. And it took me well into my 30s to get to that point where, oh, I need to budget and I also need to save. And so we tried to teach him like, well, if you want to buy these AirPods that cost $200 and you have $28 in your account this week, you can't buy something. You have to have an experience that delayed gratification, knowing that you need to right. save up, you need to work for something, and then ultimately yeah. you can make and buy the big purchases. Yeah, Gage has had that experience. I, I, I remember when I was a kid, there was this um, perfume I wanted real bad, and I worked really hard and I saved all the money for it. And then when I went to buy it, I went to the store and they were out of it. And I immediately turned and was like, well, I'll get something else. And my mom was like, well, you really wanted that perfume? <laughs> But you just like having that money in your hand, you know, it's just hot when you're a kid like that. And I've seen Gage do that before. And I like the idea of that debit card. I like that it has the set asides. I think, I think learning about sort of how you allocate your money when it comes in um, so that you put some aside right off the gate is such an important lesson. And so the, the fact that the app has that already is that's a really big plus for me. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. And again, we need to figure out like what is age appropriate. And we got this card from Roman when he was 10 mm -hmm. um, and put a lot of thought into it. The one thing that I know is he needs a debit card and not a mm -hmm. credit card because he's mm -hmm. the person that if he sees it and he wants it, he will try to buy it. And that's right. what credit is. And we've tried to explain to him what credit is and why we, his mom and dad, don't use credit. And it's like how you can get in trouble if you live beyond your means. Um, right. But there's also the understanding, like growing up, I didn't understand what the value of a dollar was. I didn't really have a basis for understanding, like, well, what does $1,000 mean? Like, what is $1,000 rent? What is a $1,000 mortgage payment? So what we try to do is we sit down with him and and share with him what our budget is. And some parents, the issue is, well, do we share with our kids and, and what do we share with them about what our household income is, what our responsibilities are? And I think now that Roman's almost 12, we give him that information so he knows like, well, mommy works and she earns around X amount of dollars. Daddy works, he earns around X amount of dollars. And understanding like, why a thousand dollars for a PlayStation Five? It's not in our budget, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Like we're okay. Well, what are we going to give up? Is it going to be food this month? Is it going to be, like you tell me where we're going to put that in the budget? Yeah, and, and with us, I try to explain what taxes are to him, even with any type of allowance. Again, going back to what we said earlier about how we influence the way our kids kind of see things. So, explaining to him that taxes aren't a bad thing because right. we have roads, we have teacher salaries that are paid for, we have police officer salaries that are paid for, we have firefighters salaries that are paid for. Things that um, for the well-being come out of 
people's checks. The so taxes, right, and taxes, right. right. And so even with his allowance, if he were to get $20, I said, well, we're going to take $3 from this. And that's mm-hmm. going to go towards household items, because that's similar to what happens in the real world when you get a job. There's going to be a percentage of the money that you make that's going to go for general well-being and upkeep. So we have to understand what the difference is between net and gross. <laughs> it's a good lesson to learn right out the gate. Well, and it's funny, you know, I remember when Gage was little, I mean, really small, but he had finally, I guess he had finally started to understand the power of the card. And we would go to the store and he would want something. And this was when he was a little too young to like really get into the the weeds, but I would explain it to him sort of high level and I, he'd he'd say, well, I really want this. And I'm like, baby, we don't, you know, we don't have the money for that today. And he would be like, well, just uh, use your card. Like, just, <laughs> you know, like, just, it's, they believe it's unlimited mm-hmm. at that age. And, and me having a conversation with him, like, well, the card's not unlimited, baby. Like, it ties directly to an account where my money is. And if I don't have the money in that, the card won't work. And he's like, what? <laughs> It's yeah. just it's just so interesting how you know they're watching us spend and I can see how early on especially because we use cards and not cash maybe the way our parents did I could see my mom only had $10 in her wallet right um it can appear to be like oh it's a magic unlimited fund you're like no sir <laughs> let's let's really sit down and look at what's really in that account and and I don't know if we've sat down with Gage and really showed him the budget line item by line item, but he's he's probably getting to an age where it's not unreasonable. We'll have to think about that. Tara, this parenting thing is hard. It is really hard. Because it you, is. you realize that 20 years from now, uh-huh. the decisions that these human beings are going to make uh-huh. will have been formed by things that we are doing now. They will have been formed and will have been informed by the ideologies that we're instilling in them. I know. Well, and it's like we have these really good conversations about being intentional, but there's probably 800 things I'm doing unintentionally or subconsciously that I don't even realize that he's watching. And I'm like, God bless. (laughs) No. And and then they they get to the point now where they're adolescents and pre-adolescents and they're able to kind of throw it back at you. And so it's Mm -hmm. the do as I say, but also as I do now. I am a flawed individual. So listen, I'm not perfect every time, but these are the better ideas. You know, and and it comes down to we talk about financial wellness, but I'm like, here, eat your vegetables. And then my son sees me eating cocoa pebbles for dinner you know it's like well dang it i gotta eat the broccoli too i'm telling you i'm telling you it's a good idea i didn't say i do it all the time (laughs) that's totally true i need to eat the broccoli but i know but that's where we, we we look at why it's so important to not only have these conversations with each other to kind mm-hmm. of bounce ideas off of one another, right. but to realize that we are all struggling with the same things and trying to figure it out. But even with um, financial wellness, this is such a critical and crucial time in our history because we saw how and we see how the pandemic has disproportionately impacted and affected women. You know, we, yes. we talked about and we shared how in September of 2020, more women left the workforce than had entered the workforce. And we get to a point where women were forced with making some really difficult decisions. And then we also have a point where a lot of times in a lot of families, women are the breadwinners. Right. Right. And a generation ago, that was not the case. And so we are now creating an ideology. We're creating an area where 
women sometimes are in charge of the budget. Women are in charge of the finances in a house. And if we weren't raised and did not know how to do that, how Mm -hmm. do you learn it? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking when you were talking about that, what it was like with my mom growing up. And um, she was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, she helped out. My stepfather had his own business and she helped out with that. Um, But I, you know, she wasn't in charge of necessarily where all the money went. But I would always remember she had like her own little savings kind of put away, you know, to help with stuff that came up. And so her version of managing the budget was keeping a little set aside for emergencies or for us or for herself. But it was all very like safety and emergency driven as opposed to purposeful. You know what I mean? (laughs) And now I handle, you know, the budget and the finances at our house, mostly just because it's a lot of paperwork and my husband's head would explode. But, you know, we go through it together. It's not like we do it individually. But yes, like I did not know anything about credit cards I didn't know anything about interest rates. I didn't know anything about like how to take your gross and then net out what was due before you had the leftover. You know what I mean? Like none of that, none of that was taught to me. I sort of had to learn it um, as I went along. Um, I remember there was one teacher maybe in middle school who taught us how to do a tax return. And I'm forever grateful. Shout out Mr. Rucker. That was amazing because I otherwise I would have never known how to do that. But um Yeah, it's just I think back on how my mom did it and how different it is now. And so many women are in different situations. We Mm -hmm. have a lot some women that are um, raising children on their own. We have some women that are um, in the workforce and their spouse is not. We have some people that are not in the workforce and their spouse is. What's most important, I think, in every household is we get to a place of transparency with adults. If and, and that's with and between partners, or mm-hmm. if you're on your own, to open every bill and to read it and to really know what your financial situation is. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we get in a position where we put our heads in the sand. I remember growing up and, um, you know, I had a situation where, where sometimes, you know, my mom wouldn't read all the bills when they came in, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And it was just not ever a situation where I'm going to pay off every balance at the end of every month. I knew nothing about that. I was like entering my 20s, like, I'm just going to pay the minimum. Like it says $25 is due. That's what I'm paying. <laughs> right. And I didn't understand how it worked. I didn't know how to fill out a mortgage application. These mm-hmm. are all things that I had to teach myself. And mm-hmm. I remember when my niece, who's now in her mid-20s, was just graduating from college and she was looking at buying a car and at this point, you know, I'm in my 40s. I've worked in banking. I'm pretty literate when it comes to finances. And she ah. and I she asked her, I said, well, you're going to buy a car. What's a good interest rate for a car? And she said to me, I don't know, like 14 or 15 percent. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. See, we cringe just thinking about it. No, ma'am. <laughs> she was a college graduate at this point. Yeah, and yeah. I realized like, oh, they your don't parents didn't share with you just as mm. our parents hadn't shared with us. They did not know. And Mm -hmm. so we have to get to a point where there's transparency and there's also an ability for women and for mothers to have the resource to know where we can go. If we need assistance, where we can go for assistance, where we can get help with um, completing applications, where we can get help with creating and maintaining budgets. And if we're Mm -hmm. in debt, how we can get out of debt safely, you know, without relying on these debt consolidation companies that you see commercials for, right? Yeah. You have to realize that, no, 
Tide alone is not a good thing. Like, do not ever <laughs> go. You see the nice commercial with the good jingle, but don't yeah. ever do it. But we see it being pushed on people and sometimes people who are desperate and, and just don't know any better and understanding it. So so how can we um, teach our kids and how can we teach other mothers how to um, be financially literate? Like, what are some suggestions that you have, T? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I'm just going to jump right in and say, first of all, I would tell anybody, any adult that is unclear or feeling scared or head in the sound about their finances, you know, women especially, is that you have way more power than you believe you do. Mm-hmm. That the consumer laws have so much protection for you as an individual. And and there's going to be a lot of information out there telling you that you don't have any power and that you are not protected. And that's just not true. So my first thing just right out of the gate is I assure you, you have way more uh, at your disposal than you believe. Um, I would absolutely encourage anyone to utilize I guess just the internet to start. I mean, there's so many resources out there. I can't think of one specific one that I would recommend. I myself, even as a, a banking executive, when I'm going to to make a deal or I'm going to um, work on my own budget, I I do searches for you know best car rates in Texas. Who's got them? What are they? You know, I, I try to get some information before I go out there. Um, I would definitely always encourage anybody who's looking to make a big purchase or uh, make a change in their household as far as like cars or houses or banks to get multiple quotes. Um, I'll, don't go with the first thing you're given. Uh, and then the last thing I would say is um, find a, I mean, this is obviously just a plug for myself, but find um, a banker that you trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you need to, you know, ask your friends, get in your network, find someone who works in financial services that you can trust because uh, most financial services people can handle a multitude of things. So it's not just about finding someone who opened an account for you. You know, financial services professionals can help you with car loans and house loans and debt consolidation and helping you do that. You know, find some Someone that you can trust, even if it's just a friend that kind of walks you through it, you know, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there that can help you with uh, everything that you're working on. Some of the worst financial decisions I've made in my life have been when I've been the most desperate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I remember you shared earlier about your first car deal gone bad. Um, mm-hmm. My first car deal, I was using. Um, a car that my mom had loaned me and I was living in Baltimore and it was 1996 and that car had blown up. <laughs> Literally oh it blew up. <laughs> yeah, like the engine yeah. just blew up and uh-huh. I, I needed to get a car and it was that moment of desperation where they must've smelled it on me. I walked oh, yeah. into a car dealership and it was just like, I need a car. And I signed the worst deal because I was desperate <laughs> And so for for moms, like you were saying, like get a trusted financial uh, banker or the other good advice you were given there, Tara. But also it's just understanding we do have the power, like you said. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we're desperate, sometimes when we feel stuck, especially with finances, we don't really make the best decisions. Mm -hmm. So giving ourselves room to breathe and doing those internet searches and taking time to kind of look at and assess where we are is really, really critical. I just wanted to say that, you know, we're not 
paid for any of our opinions on on green light or on, you know <laughs> right. we don't promote our bank or this anything is just like that. our yeah. own personal our, beliefs <laughs> yeah but i think that it's really important for people to have a plan and we can't well, say it, what plan works but you need to have a plan right and to come off of kind of what i was saying and then again what you were saying kanji about the desperation part I think some of that comes from, too, this is my last little thing that I I also iterate to my friends, is sometimes that desperation comes with believing that you were not allowed to talk about money with our friends or our family. It's supposed to be a secret. Mm -hmm. It's not true. That's something that was hard for me coming into adulthood. I feel way more comfortable now with my friends, but it always felt like we could talk about anything, but we could not talk about money. Yeah, We could talk about anything else, but we couldn't talk about money. We couldn't talk about what we make. We couldn't talk about what we owe. And I can't tell you the kind of freedom and empowerment I felt when my friends and I started to kind of open up about that side. And it opens up this door of like, now my friends know because I'm in financial services, they'll come to me and ask me questions. And before they may not have felt comfortable because they didn't want to talk about money. Right. But now they know, like, I mean, you don't have to give me the straight up details. I don't need to know your salary, but I can for sure tell you if that rate is fair or that deal sounds right. And if we're not talking to each other, it can make us feel like we are not empowered and that we we have like shame and secrecy around our money. And that's, that's going to create more desperation and more feelings of... Um, you know, disenfranchisement. So I think there's something to be said for just like opening the door to the to the idea that the more we talk about it, the less scary it is. Yeah. And when we talk about how we share this information, not only amongst each other, but also with our children and with our families. So often there are topics that are seen as taboo. And finances mm-hmm. is one of them. It's like, well, you don't For ever sure. let anybody know how much money you make or you don't ne- let anybody know how much money. Oh, like you said, Tara. Right. And, you know, and when we shared um, how to t- have challenging or difficult conversations with our child counselor, Jenny Gomez, back on episode 13, that's kind of what we, we harken back to this conversation a little bit. We, you know, we say there are areas that are difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Finances is one of them. Um, For sure. But just like puberty, just like politics, just like racial animus, these are difficult conversations to talk about. But if we don't talk about them and they're seen as taboo, then our kids won't talk to us about them, you know. Mm-hmm. And even yes. when they get to a point where they leave the house and they're out trying to make decisions about now I'm an adult, what do I do? What's a good rental contractor? You know, how much is it? What's fair market value um, for rent in this area? If our kids have never talked to us about it, we can't expect them to be 18, 19, 20 years old and then come and talk to us about it. Right. Exactly right. We have to keep those doors open and have these age appropriate conversations with them as they're growing up. Now, our kids don't need to know at six years old how much money mommy makes or how much money is in our bank account. But, you know, <laughs> right. but at 13 years old, our kids should know, you know, generally, like, what is a budget in this household? Like, kind of like, what is it we need to do to maintain um, this standard living? Or like, how are we tithing? Or what a percentage of our money are we giving away? And this uh-huh. is why we are not spending this amount of money on on this event. Or this is why we can spend this amount of money on this. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and again, like, we, we look and say, these are different plans that are out there. Uh, and there's so many different financial advisors and, 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 and financial plans. You have people that are like, well, the debt snowball method. Um, I think that's Dave Ramsey, right? And that's mm-hmm. paying, yep. you know, getting out of debt by paying the smallest balance first. You have a debt, debt avalanche. Um, that's right. Susie Orman, right? Um, yep. She's still around. Are you kidding me? 
Is that what you really want to know? I believe so. I haven't seen Susie in a while. You know, I well, you know, we haven't really been money. <laughs> money hasn't been the focal point for a while. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> she used to be like on Saturday nights. I w- would watch she her did. show. She like yeah. you are denied, and I would feel shame when I watch her show. Like, <laughs> I can't call Susie. She wouldn't let me buy anything. I know. I can't. I can't watch the. Um, I can't watch the shows. I'll, I'll read the plans because the plans make sense, mm-hmm. but I can't handle the. I can't handle the shame. I can't do that. Plans always. <laughs> makes sense just like you have to have a plan for you know health and fitness I think that we need to have a financial plan and the best way to have a financial plan is to sit down and and to make a budget and to and to look and see honestly like what are our resources and what are we going to do and what are our ultimate goals and ultimately it's knowing kind of what our goals are and how we're going to get there what we're going to do and that just brings me back to my word of the year which is being intentional you know Mm -hmm. so I'm going to um, hope that the intentionality I have with um, my finances and financial wellness. It's something that I can share with our son and um, people in, in my family and in my orbit. Right. Right. Well, and of course, my word was unlimited and I for sure hope my finances are unlimited this year. You know what I'm saying? Co-sign. Co-show. <laughs> I'm aiming. <laughs> <it. laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. Man, you know, it's we're, we're quarantining here in the North Texas area. So, um, the first few episodes we we were able to record, you and I were able to still see each other and be in the same room socially distanced, but it's been a month or so since we've seen each other. And I, I just know. feel sorry for you not to be able to see my lovely face. I feel sorry for me too. I do. <laughs> I miss your lovely face. Oh, I, I sent you a picture of me in my closet oh. so you can see how cute I am recording this podcast with you. Wait, let me open it. <laughs> let me open and see this so we can share it with our family. Look at and Teva, our intern, knows that, yes, we put people in the closet. Oh, <laughs> you look super cute. I told you I look cute in the closet. Are you running this week? I am going to go run right after this, as a matter of fact. Okay, so what is on your soundtrack to listen to as you run this week? So Jasmine Sullivan dropped a new album yesterday, mm-hmm. or maybe Thursday. So she's going to be my soundtrack this morning. Ooh, let me know what it's like to be outside. I will tell you, it's, you know, it's going to be, I've got to do it today. You know, today is, it's gorgeous right now. It's cold, but it's really sunny. But I think we're supposed to get that snow and ice tomorrow. So I'm trying to get it done today. Oh, well, be careful and be safe. And Mm -hmm. um, are you training for any races this year coming up? Yes. So I had previously talked about a half marathon I was supposed to do in December. That did not pan out for me. So my friend and I have signed up for one at the end of February. And that's what I'm working on now. Yay. And podcast fam, you have to support us on social media if you have not already followed us so we can keep track and keep Tara accountable on her running journey. Please please do. Please keep me accountable. A reminder that on social media or on Instagram at at black and white momcast, and we love to hear from you, whether you're keeping me accountable, just sharing your favorite moments from the shows please come chat with us we love it and as i mentioned earlier our podcast is on all listening platforms you can hear us on apple spotify amazon um just make sure you're subscribing so you don't miss any new episodes remember my christmas wish it's going into the new year my 2021 wish we'd love to have you rate us and leave us reviews we read every single one of them we love sharing with you guys and to all of our family members in the United States and in Canada, Germany and Singapore and all over the world. Remember, we're all in this together and we can continue to support each other. If at any point in time, 
it feels or it seems like it's overwhelming, just know that someone else shares that same sentiment with you and that someone's probably me. (laughs) (laughs) We are rooting for you all, guys. We're rooting for you. We're loving on you from our houses and closets here in the North Texas area. (laughs) So be good, be kind, guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. And we will see you next week. Take good care. Bye.